MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, listen... Remember that one game we covered that was the uh, it was the beast hunting game? Uh, what was Monster that? Monster Hunter World? No, no, no. It's it's like a few years ago. It had like an insane user interface where it was just like covered in bullshit. Uh, evolution. Like, evolution. That's a game that if we had not been working for Cracked, I would never have played that. I had no interest in that game yeah. at all. How long did you play it? Enough to write an escort mission about it. <laughs> so like, yeah. you know, 20 hours? I don't know, a while. All right. You know, <laughs> we're sorry. all dedicated. <laughs> I mean, it's all right, man. That's okay. There's worse ways to make a buck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's get rolling. <laughs> yeah. Do you, well, I've, we've been rolling, my friend. We're synced. Oh. You know? Do you know which one you want to do first? I was saying, I was thinking, I just finished Control this morning and I kind of wanted to talk about it because I like have very okay. fresh opinions. Is there any kind of intro or are we already in the midst of the episode? (laughs) Well, I'm sure a future editor will decide whether we were hilarious here or worthy of omitting. Can't say. I mean, maybe they want to hear all the behind the scenes stuff of uh, how IGN and Cracked work. Of course they do. And how our our passions are utterly fake for their entertainment. Hey, editor, leave this in. (laughs) It's probably going to be me. (laughs) So so, That's how I was like, who are you? Who are you referring to? It'll either be you or Abe. <laughs> right. I don't know what you mean. The editor. Um, all right. Welcome to One Upsmanship. Welcome to One Upsmanship. Absolutely. I'm Michael Swain's voice. And I'm voice. Adam Gantzer, And I'm his voice. And uh, we're talking control, as you knew when you clicked the title. Sure you did. Although, let's be honest, is this a well-known game? Like, how well-known? Control? Yeah, yeah. How well-known uh, would you say this is? The consensus around the IGN office which I'm still getting up to speed with, but from what I can gather is that critics loved it, but my understanding is the sales are low. That's not surprising. It didn't get 
played by a lot of people. It didn't get a lot of buzz or anything. Uh, but everyone who plays video games professionally and so picked it up because it's a Remedy release. Remedy's the developer. Uh, sure. Pl- there, anyone who felt obligated to play it played it and was like, that was surprisingly good. That was very fun. Right. You know what I mean? That's it's, the general consensus. It's like the lasagna cat of uh, of video oh, game yeah. content. It's like if you haven't stumbled across lasagna cat, your life is no poorer. But if you have, it's good certainly for you. richer. Yeah, yeah. It's you, a little bonus along life's path. Yeah. You've gotten some quality content out of that. Yeah, if you if the words "fatal frame" mean something to you, your life is the richer for it. <laughs> <laughs> or if you just like Old Spice commercials, it, did they do those? They did the ones uh, where the the best ones. The mother is singing and like bizarrely floating behind the children. They did that one. That makes sense. Oh, it's so and good. they do a lot of major laser music videos. I know that. <laughs> And this all makes sense. They're great guys, and they're really yeah. funny, and they're yeah. incredibly creative. It's one of my favorite videos to show to film students because they 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 hate it like instinctively because of the filmmaking part of it. What and lasagna then, cat? Yeah, a sketch series. Yes, they hate it because yeah. of the filmmaking, right? And it's like, and you can see why. And also, most film students, in my experience, don't don't consume internet content. And don't realize, hey, you're going to be working here in like ten minutes, so you better get up to speed, bro. <laughs> so they don't think mimetic shit is funny. They're too stuck up for that still, or they don't too like think film is important. They don't think <laughs> of the stuff on the internet as like artistic content, and don't consume it like that. And that will rapidly change <sighs> as time goes. The on. level of attention to detail and craftsmanship that goes into lasagna cat and i'm not referring to the fact that it's a green yeah it's just guys in front of a green screen totally the thought behind it is intensely clever and hard to like a lot of work went into lasagna cat you guys (laughs) i i regularly uh a lot of thought went into it I, I regularly show them the Final Fantasy episode because that's it's, the best one. Yeah, and it's yeah. also the funniest jokes. I would argue skills. Yeah, exactly. I love that skills. joke. Exactly. Oh my god! All right, let's get to the topic at hand. <laughs> um, this is nominally a video game podcast. Sure. Uh, and we're covering Control, and we gave a little spiel about it, but we'll get more in depth after we pass our first checkpoint. Which yeah. means that the uh, walls around us have geometrically seated to a more sane position. Everything feels comfortable and safe. The lighting came up a bit. We claimed a control point. All is well. And that means it's time for... I guess. It never gets rid of all the floating run. people. None of the floating people ever disappear. They just like keep getting, like, keep getting hung by invisible strings from the roof. Are so- they dead or just... In a trance. I don't... I mean, is anybody dead in this game? It's it's hard to... T- I mean, well, it's hard to say. I sh- when I shoot at the floating people, <laughs> am yeah. I taking a life? That's what I'm getting at. <laughs> that's what, that's, that's what the most wondering. important thing. I don't know. Because I do, Adam. I shoot at the floating people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to know what happens. We, we all got to know what happens. Yeah, yeah. you got to test the limits. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is speed run. Yeah. Uh, a- Adam, I played and beat this game shortly after it came out because okay. I, it just happened to sync up. It's it's not a long game, and I wasn't playing any game at the time, and it looked interesting, and I immediately got hooked, and I finished it. But as a result, I'm a little fuzzy on some of the detail stuff because I fair. beat it like yeah. a month and a half ago. So do you want to take the speed run? Yeah, I'll take the speed run. It's okay. All right. I'm not going to look it up even. I'm just going to go from memory. 
Okay. Yeah. I have the Wikipedia open so I can correct you if, That's if fair. it becomes a desperate situation. <laughs> Start. Well, the clock. Now, Control is a desperate situation, <laughs> by which I mean it's a story of a woman who is the, I guess, self-appointed director of a federal bureau called the Federal Bureau of Control that uh, seems to operate like the room of requirement in that it appears only for those who deserve to be there. Uh, in it, she discovers that uh, this being she is aware of named Polaris uh, is trying to get her to sort of prevent this other, an invasion of separate, of, like other separate consciousnesses that they label the Hiss that have taken over uh, all the employees of this bureau except for a couple of key expositors. Uh, we discover as the game goes along, which, by the way, it's it's sort of a third-person, uh, I'd call it a hack-and-slash. It's not quite. It's like a third-person shooter. Um, and as we go along, we discover that this uh, woman, Jessie is her name, and her brother, whose name is Dylan, were part of a, an event in which these uh, entities first intersected with our reality, and that that event has sort of been playing out in this bureau's history over the subsequent, I don't know, 15 years or whatever it is. Uh, she's there to save her brother. The story is about whether that is even possible. And the story of what are these beings? What does it mean? And she must navigate a uh, modern cubist surreal world that takes the form of a government building in order to save her brother and this office and determine whether she is in fact the director. And that's all. Stop the clock. Oh, you left seconds on. You left some you, seconds on. You waited before saying now. <laughs> so I thought I'd balance it out. That was for drama. That was for drama. Her sake. name is Jesse Fade In. Yes. What and was... Fade Out on your chances of having a speed run record <laughs> because I sabotaged you. You really did. Um, <laughs> You're, that was a real hiss move. Uh, Yeah, the hiss. I yeah. think the only like buzzword you didn't hit upon unless I just didn't hear it was the service weapon yes which is an object of power a thing that sort of Oop. you could call them checkpoints uh that what's that the name of the fungus along. the uh, fungus that grows i think it's just called the mold am i wrong the mold okay I, it I might just be called the mold and ati you didn't mention ati oh the janitor uh, yeah i didn't yeah, mention the janitor yeah so let's get into it we'll pass yeah. another checkpoint uh which means we killed things that were people mere moments ago. And cleared but out a set of satellites that have been drawn, uh, have drawn an X on the floor, which helps you fast travel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why is the, what is the narrative reason for those? I can't remember. For the control points? Yes. Do you remember? I don't. I know. Remember. I don't either. I don't either. Um, but they're in the oldest house. We didn't say yes. that either. That's what it's called. We did There's not. I just, as a lover of words, I'm like, the buzzwords that they invented for this are very cool. <laughs> I like they're, it. They're cool, but they're not, and they're not overdoing it. Like, it's all no. dialed in to the right amount, I would argue. I think so, yeah. yeah. All right, so let's, uh, what happens now, rants? Okay. Yes, sir. I guess I'll go. So player yeah. one, plugging in for a rant. Here we go. Mm. No clock involved. Uh, <laughs> Lucky for you. Holy shit, would I be sabotaging My it? rant is that, uh, well, first of all, Remedy, the developer, also made Alan Wake. 
Yes. Uh, Alan Wake is spoken about at the IGN offices with reverence by most of the people, and it comes up a lot. And I uh, just have to shut up because I don't, I didn't play Alan Wake. I'm aware of it. I've heard the name Alan Wake, and I know that it is. Uh, and this could be wildly inaccurate because this is not the Alan Wake episode. And as I just said, I haven't played it. But my impression just from osmosis of pop culture is that it's the gameplay is not exactly like, but like the Telltale games, it's no combat. It's mostly story driven and it's some kind of intense sci-fi drama story. It, it's it, there is combat. It's uh, it controls oh, okay. a pretty good. It's a pretty good analog for it, honestly. Like it definitely, they feel like cousins. Uh, oh, okay. The difference well, and being then they made the difference being Qua- that uh, Alan Wake is a little bit more in the Twin Peaks zone. Oh, okay. Like literally a Twin Peaks esque yeah. story it takes place in a off a woodsy area. This guy's a novelist, etc. Okay, and then they made Quantum Break, which is very similar. So Control feels like the next evolution of Quantum Break, and that makes sense because they base their games around a proprietary engine that only they develop with that they coded called the Northlight engine. And it its strength, or at least what they seem to be utilizing it so far toward, is better and better simulation of what it would be like to have telekinetic powers and (laughs) control is the best one so far and they wrapped it around a story that feels uh very like x-files if it took place in the 40s and i like that uh i my the end of my rant would be that i found the ending very sudden and truncated i thought the game would be significantly longer it felt weirdly paced uh but the I'll compare it to Marvel's Spider-Man, the actual bread and butter experience. I've never more felt like, yeah, yeah, I'm telekinetic. <laughs> That's really nice. That's a very satisfyingly feeling like I'm telekinetic. Um just the ability to grab any fucking thing I in like the that. world. Yeah, that's cool. Including if you're in an empty room, chunks of the wall will rip out. It's like you're telekinetic. You can grab matter, any matter, and you can throw it. Uh, I I enjoy that very much. The service weapon, all the, the art style is very um, heavy-handed, but I say that in a positive way. Like, I think they really let themselves off the chain and went all out with... Again, I don't know how far Alan Wake pushed it, but this is very... They bet all their chips on one artistic direction, and I think it paid off largely. I don't know about the full motion video bits, but we'll get into that in more detail. That's my rant. Interesting. <laughs> what a great rant. Uh, so I'm going to step in as player two, and here's my blop, rant. Blop, blop, blop. Yeah. Oh, see, we should be taking these sound effects. Mm-hmm. So I think this game is the best I've seen out of Remedy. Because uh, I did play Quantum Break, and I definitely played Alan Wake, and this feels like it learned the lessons from both those games, and it's a better version of both of those games. Um, I really like the atmosphere. I really like the narrative. Um, I like the sort of quirky sci-fi feeling to it. Uh, I think the gameplay is okay, and I think mm-hmm. I thought Alan Wake's gameplay was okay. Um, I thought Quantum Break's gameplay was a little more creative, but less fun. 
Um, so I, you know, I, I think this is like a what B does that minus. Mean? I, I'll, I will, I'll say more. Okay. I, okay. Good. I think that it's not that fun to kill these, uh, you know, possessed agents. I think there's not that much variety of enemy. There's probably like six different types of enemies. It's not a lot. Um, I don't think the guns are great. I think they're fine. And by guns, I mean gun that changes shapes and does different. I think of... that's a cool idea narratively. I you only ever have one gun. Yeah. Every idea here narratively is like a, like this is like a solid yeah. a narratively. And I think it's like a B minus gameplay wise. Sure. Like that's my opinion of it, which is to say it's a very good game. Like I, I really think it's very good, but I don't, I found myself like just wanting to get through all these checkpoints just to get the narrative. Like I enjoyed walking around and I enjoyed the story and I kind of enjoyed killing the enemies, but towards the end I was getting very frustrated uh, with like, okay, I get it. You know, this guy, these three shield guys are going to show up. I get it. Let me kill them so I can get the next story checkpoint, please. And uh, the game was like, no, we're going to keep bringing more of these shielded guys and more of these like floating half bodies that blow up. And, you know, then there's going to be like seven or eight more. And you're like, ugh. And also, and I know this is going to sound like uh, petty, but I really believe this. It's really dumb anytime you have a game where you can't heal if you just sort of wait for a while. Like that's such a standard thing in games. And the fact that they took it away from you in this game and then barrage you with enemies is like, well, that's not challenging. That's frustrating. You know what I mean? Like build a situation that's challenging, not a dynamic that I don't like. That's my biggest critique of the game, actually, Um, which sounds like I don't like it. I do. I'm just uh, trying to be a little bit more grounded, uh, if you will, about uh, how good the game itself is. That's my rant. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. 
On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. I know. Checkpoint, game on. Yeah. I could not disagree more. Really? About, no, just about the uh, the life thing. I, f- I think you are spoiled. Or like... Oh, sure. Gold, Goldeneye, you don't... You need pickups. Or there's so many different ways to skin the cat of how is life mimicked. And I think the falsest of all... That's one of my problems with Halo, Destiny, Call of Duty. Call of Duty... If you have you played the newest one yet? The I love the newest one actually. I really like it quite a bit. It's inc- very realistically evoking what it would be like to do counterinsurgency work in the modern day, but the one thing that makes no sense is right healing. You yeah, the can healing take of it. F- 10 bullets and then hide around the corner and take 10 more bullets. It it makes no I actually think that's a trope that I wish we would abandon no matter how hard it makes the games or find creative ways to so for example in Call of Duty the idea I've had that I think they should do honestly is you, <laughs> I can't wait three, for this two or three bullets you die but you instantly as the player just inhabit the body of one of the other soldiers so it become, uh, comes a collective narrative experience of this is how many losses in war actually occur you're you're you are the whole unit you know yeah and i i mean that would be abandoning the idea that we need protagonists and like plot that's specific to people personally i don't know if i I care that much either i i I think they should try that i think that's a really when you play single player call of duty do you give a shit about what that scottish dude Uh, with the sideburns i don't give a fuck you mean captain price (laughs) yes i do sir i do care about captain price Uh, dick chavez all the way (laughs) (laughs) i i like well i also genuinely liked uh the uh, i want to say her name is farah the freedom fighter that you play alongside. Oh, yeah. I, she was very good. And I know this is not a Call of Duty Modern Warfare podcast. No, it is not. But these are contemporaries. And I do think for shooting mechanics, they bear a little bit of comparison. Because Modern Warfare is butter. Like the the shooting, everything about the war shooting piece of it is as good as it's been for a realistic war shooter. Except for the exact thing you said. Sure. No game ever has been realistic about death, and I don't know that I want it to be. Uh, oh, I, just, I do. I, see, I just want it to be fun. Like I, I want the game experience to be fun. And I think that one of the problems I have as a person who's getting older is that like I'm not that interested in being stumped by a game or like overcoming a very difficult game. I'm more interested in just having the experience and then setting it aside. You know, like that's I'm more interested in that than I have been when I was younger, where I would have been like, right. fuck you, Bloodborne. I'm going to I'm going to figure out how to use this half axe and I'm going to fucking chop the shit out of this giant dog leg. But I'm finding, though, that I'm equally unable to care about things like patriotism and killing terrorists. Sure, like I sure. do find Call of Duty inherently boring because yeah. the narrative is the same. And it's fraught. I'm like, I but, get it. Oorah, you sacrifice yourself for your buddy. Go fuck yourself. See, I don't care about this. I think that's why... <laughs> I, I really believe that's why you might consider playing this most play recent one. Outer it, Worlds. Oh, I oh, beat the most recent one already. I'm you, saying it's... The narrative it was... is super boring to me oh. because... That's just what the news is. 
I want to yeah. play Mortal Kombat 11 where I'm a demon with a spear fist. I like, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you want the I, who cares about fantasy this? of it. Yeah, yeah you want yeah. the fantasy. Well, I don't... Why are we trying to make a more and more realistic simulator of something that's objectively terrible to experience? I don't... It's the same reason I fell off Game of Thrones. It's like, I don't need to feel like... But this... But do you get it? This is really what it would be like to see a pregnant woman get stabbed in the stomach. I'm like, I don't want to do that. What are we doing? <laughs> I think that in general, I'm inclined to agree with you that uh, I don't want realism or necessarily tragedy for tragedy's sake as a narrative experience. And I like that about control. That it's I, not... If you have a massive insight that's born out of it, then it feels more worth it. Yeah. I, I, I'll, this is my last comment on the modern warfare for this podcast, at least. Mm -hmm. I thought that they at least tried to inject the moral grayness of today's warfare into the plot. And I think they did a pretty good job of that. Like, I'm not going to fault them. For uh, I felt that they did a job that indicated that they were carefully watering things down to avoid it being problematic in any way and to yeah. me that's all well and good but they're it's shooting different kids in it. they're like they're blowing kids away yeah and it felt like the ghostbusters cartoon where they had like i don't know it was it felt like tokenism what to a, me. but that's the real but that's ghostbusters a what yeah a, the real ghostbusters what a comparison it's been so long um, since i even thought about that yeah yeah, that's all. Yeah, <laughs> let's get back to control. Sure, sure, sure. Well, the only so the comparison point there again is that I think the shooting is pretty subpar given its contemporaries. Um, Not it horrible, just subpar. This engine, uh, the Northlight engine, it has this very, and I'm sure their art design also contributes to this feel. But I do feel like the engine itself sort of has a very mechanical crisp pristine feel it does i agree that, with that. it reminded me of prey a bit it's yes. like prey this was... is gonna be so weird to say and it's just a gut thing but it's like even though i played it on console it felt like i was playing it on a pc it has a pc <laughs> feeling to it i, I agree with yeah. that and i also i think that prey is another good comparison because prey was a game i liked a little better than this for gameplay and less for mood and story. I like the story and mood better here, but I like the gameplay better in Prey. I like the enemy design better in this, only in the sense that sure. the one thing I'd fault Prey with, which I did enjoy very much, and I'm sad it's not continuing, was that the enemies were just smoke monsters. <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed really easy to render. Yeah, I mean, the enemies here are just uh, like... Zombies. Yeah, they're zombies. I mean, with like a few different forms, but mostly zombies. I I, I think they could have stretched out a little bit more conceptually about what the enemies are. I, they're a little bland. Yeah. Most upsetting to me was the, uh, the ones tied to the office chairs that you just can't hit. And you're like, uh... look, you're not going to kill me. I'm eventually going to kill you. Just fucking stay still for a second okay this so, is just wasting my time I, I, that's the thing about that again I, I feel like that's a little bit us being old because like I, you're gonna hit i'm gonna tell you the most disappointing thing that happened to me about this game and it's gonna really bum you out but it's a it's a proof that we're now old right so mm -hmm. the worst part of the game for me experience wise was the maze and i know everyone's gonna be like what that's the best part of the game i know but the maze 
First of all, they don't do that great of a job telling you what you're supposed to do to navigate the maze. So it took well, me about it, 40 minutes to figure out what I'm supposed to do at all. Sorry, but nested within this, because I think this will be an easy answer, but sure. I'm curious if I'm missing something. Ati is yes. intentionally fully unexplained, right? Like it doesn't make, no one understands why he knows what he knows. And I don't, so powerful. Yeah, I don't know why he is the all wise, uh, John, what, okay. John the Baptist for these Or why aliens. he knows the way through the maze or whatever, yeah, but I don't okay. get it. But he, regardless, for whatever reason, he gives you a tape deck that leads you through the maze. Well, it took me a little while to figure out that's what I needed to do. But I think this, the answer is, uh, by the way, is he's Finnish. Oh, okay. He's Finnish. So that means he yes, knows he is. Got it. Uh, I do like how to finish. <laughs> I like his weird, stupid euphemisms. Oh, did you get piss in your sock? That one made me laugh. There's, there's a few of them that make <laughs> me laugh. Uh, so anyway, oh, I so, like fighting the clog. That's a good recurring yes, side quest. That's a yes. Good, yes. I like that quest too. Uh, so once you get the tape deck, then, then become, then, then the choice they made just really frustrated me. So you walk through this maze, which is basically a curated, slightly surreal experience where you have to kill a bunch of enemies and walk through this uh, hallway that turns into, you know, something that looks like a Salvador Dali painting for about 20 minutes. The Honestly, it's already getting ripped off. If you're playing Jedi Fallen Order, the opening dream sequence, the opening dream sequence is an effect where he falls asleep on the tram and he's in a cube of essentially Death Star style corridors. Cool. And they do the exact effect from control. And I'm like, that's a that means it's a good visual trope. It's already I, getting incorporated into the triple A's. I think that uh well uh, control is probably a triple A. And I also think it that these games are I'd too I'd call it a double A personally. Okay. But... Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. It's not, yeah, fair enough. It's more of a copper top. I got you. Yeah. Uh the, I don't I think the games are too close together for the two to have been for the for Jedi Order to have been influenced by control, I guess so. I think it well, was I too just, far. Then in the I past. wonder. I wonder about the simultaneity, but yeah, that right. I mean, but maybe it's one of those uh, one of those Armageddon slash Deep Impact things. You know, two ideas at the same time. Just one of them has Morgan Freeman. You know, uh, although in that case, it's it wasn't a coincidence. It was a producer who. That's right. I always switch jobs. He also stole. Bugs Life and turned it into ants and <laughs> stole Dante's Peak and turned it into Volcano. <laughs> what a legacy. What a legacy. Yeah. Good uh, dude. Good dude. Interesting. <laughs> so just to finish my griping about the maze. So I know this is everybody's favorite thing. The problem is that uh, I died a bunch of times in the maze because the way it's structured, the enemies sort of appear all around you and there's never really any cover. And that's a challenging mm-hmm. thing, but this is why I got so frustrated about not not being able to heal because there's never any cover. So it's like, uh, well, fuck. Okay, well, uh, you know, so I kept dying. And then the uh, problem, the problem was in the maze. There's not much cover, but in the game as a whole, there's usually okay, yeah. significant cover. Yeah, agreed. The maze is designed in such a way that there's not a lot of cover. Yes. So the problem is, and is that while you're doing it, you're listening to this fucking. Uh, heavy metal music that's like mm-hmm. super glammed out and I hated it. I hated that music oh. very passionately and then I was stuck there for about 40 minutes uh, and it kept rebooting the song and I kept having to do it over and over and I was getting fucking angry at control. <laughs> it's just like, why don't they, why doesn't this guy listen to something soothing? You know what I mean? Like, why does it need to be glam metal? Like, who gives a and fuck? And yeah, you love the hard rock in Destiny. Which I don't actually. Some, I, I no? the hard rock oh, stuff. I, I don't you like. Did. No, no. Okay. I like the. I like the. Uh, the techno. 
uh, I like the techno for the hive and I like the rise of iron sort of uh, composed uh, orchestra stuff. stuff yeah, yeah, I like that stuff. I'm not as big on the the remix oh, of okay. the Halo theme. I'm not a, I'm not a guitar guy, at least not in my scores. You know, like, why couldn't he listen to, you know, fucking, I don't care, Flying Lotus, like, or jazz or anything else like that is finish. There is a trope. The finish have an affinity with metal. I'm sure that's true. And I don't <laughs> fucking care. The man's sure. magic. I don't care. Yeah. Uh, Otzi makes the least. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Um, there, I guess their only claim is. You know, there's a bunch of magic shit going on. Who knows? It just slipped in there. I'm, I'm, but if I went through all the lore, I bet you there's like one thing that ties it together somehow. Well, uh, it feels very X Files to me. It's a yeah. in a nutshell. It's essentially that there are other dimensions, and those dimensions intersect with ours at certain times and places, and w- those events are monitored and controlled by a federal, a secret governmental bureau in this house called the oldest house. It's actually an office building that's larger out inside than it is outside, and uh, it has sort of a cabin in the woods vibe as well, because in there they have cataloged, you know, millions of uh, objects of power, which are things that are affected in such a way when these events occur that they somehow have a weird magical effect or some connection to the another dimension. It's like and, they have uh, a, there's like a residual magic in them, like they're horcruxes yeah. or something. And I really liked that idea because sure. it's, it naturally spawns side quests that are inherently interesting, like episodes of X-Files. Like the, uh, I forget what he's even looking at, a mailbox. The guy who can't stop looking at something. Uh, they, uh, there's there's an object that they know will... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and, right, and you can't do it or else it explodes or something, right? And you're It'll do... To... S- all they know is, which I love, it's just such a compelling system something really bad will happen if you don't if someone's not observing it at all times including you can't even blink right so they have guys who practice not blinking and are good at it take shifts looking at this thing all the time so it's like an office building where in every other room there's something that threatens to destroy the world you know uh it's that kind of feeling where the world is full of magic and it wants to kill us and I like it. It's I fun. Do, I do too. I, I like the design of the anomalies. You know, they're sort of the only really non-human thing that you encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, those weird sort of flashing light anomalies. I, I the the art direction and concepts here are very strong. Like just well, very the board. Strong. Yeah, there's an entity that speaks to you and seems. I wouldn't say good. But on the good side of neutral, they at least their interests align with killing the Hiss, yeah. who are clearly bad. Functionally, but they good, re- they remain mysterious. Yeah, we don't know what their objective is in the long term. Right. But they're they are just an upside down black pyramid floating in a white void, and I'm like, that's fucking cool, dude. And it's it's <laughs> imitated in Central Executive too. There's an upside down pyramid that. Uh, yes. Either is There's, the same one, or they built it there. I, I can't. Great symbology, mysticism. Yeah. It's successfully very mysterious and quirky and interesting. Without sort of putting the wrong kind of uh, decorations around it, like like they chose to not in any way make it feel like magic. We keep using the word magic, which is to say we're using the word supernatural, and it's not. 
but it's not in any way sort of hocus pocusy. And I think that's the right decision. No, it's pseudoscience magic. Right. Yeah. And, but so again, to contrast it with Alan Wake, that is not pseudoscience magic. That's a little bit closer to, you know, it's, it's, it's a little more on the magic side. Twin Peaks is more mystical than this. Yes, this mystical. is pretending it's science. It's, co- they said, the developers said that they consider it part of the new weird genre. Oh. Which basically refers to, if you know what I mean, the very small selection of things that feel like this. Like, you know, the movie with um, the people with the magic hats and they go through doors. Is it called the Bureau or something like that? Uh, I No, you're going to have to walk me through it because I don't know that. Well, anyway, uh, things that take sci-fi, elevate it to the level of magic, and then impose Kafkaesque bureaucracy on top of it. That's considered a very specific subgenre of sci-fi called I mean, New Weird. I think that's how most uh, of the sort of government thriller things that have supernatural elements are done. You know, like I like I that's not that new of an idea, is it? Uh, as of the 60s, I think. OK, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. the first examples. Yeah, sure. Um, often often with lots of brutalist architecture. Uh, and, I, love, I love the uh, architecture. I love yeah, mo- the way the office modern looks. minimalism dudes. It, it, OK, this is what new weird is. It's a guy in a dark room with a green cellophane visor on smoking a pipe wearing suspenders and he has some fantastic piece of technology strapped to his chest. <laughs> right. Like it's, yeah. it's almost, yeah, it's almost uh, steampunk, but it's been updated for the sixties. Yes. Yeah. I personally find it more compelling than steampunk, oh, totally. even though there's no Agreed. question that they're equally silly, but I'm like, man, I love dark smoky rooms with X files moldering away in a, a, you know, in a cupboard somewhere in a government building in the middle of New York City. I love that. <laughs> the, the, the literal, like, the to me, the only thing that's bad about this is that it doesn't have as broad an appeal as most AAA games as an, arti- as an artistic statement, which is, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it's a shame because, as you said, people aren't really playing it. And I'm like, man, I really wish they would because this is somebody, this is a design company that's really trying. They're really trying, and I love that. Uh, even if I don't always love their choices, I love that they're trying it and I am compelled to play everything they release for that exact reason. You know, like so few games are, I am as well. I, so like, yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag overall, mostly positive. Yeah. But like, for example, I liked the shooting, I think more than you did clearly, but, but I liked the full motion video aspect is interesting to me because I have incredible nostalgic connection to f- Sega CD full motion video games like Sewer Shark and Night Trap <laughs> and things like that. that. That's your favorite thing to bring up. It's fun Sega as hell. CD, you love it. Yeah, but uh, well, that was the heyday of Tomcat Alley. But anyway, this uses full motion video, which is interesting because it's not commonly used anymore because there's no need to and it always failed when it was tried in the past yeah (laughs) and um i gotta say that was a real mixed bag for me the guy oh really the guy Uh, who played professor darling yeah did you not i thought i thought those segments were really charming and endearing agreed did add something that it was a real actor by the way that's the guy who's the voice of alan wake and uh that makes sense i did not however at all. In fact, I disliked and resented and felt like it was lazy. 
that all of the audio logs had these looping videos of just silhouettes and the audio logs would sometimes be five minutes long and you'd just see a silhouette of director Trench fading to him chewing on his pipe, fading to him standing, fading to him standing in profile, fading to him chewing on his pipe. And it reminded me of like Scooby-Doo cartoons where you see the background repeat. I was just like... In this day and age, you're just going to loop the footage. Just have a longer shoot and shoot more different angles of that silhouette so that it doesn't have to loop. That seemed weird to me. I didn't mind the choice for what the images were or how they were presented. I minded that they thought that was enough to do what they were trying to do with it. Yeah, it's like, dude, this guy who at first I thought, by the way, was... uh, was uh, Bob Odenkirk. And I was like, holy shit, they got Odenkirk oh, really? for this? I, he looked a little like Odenkirk. I was like, this is going to be fucking cool. Uh, yeah. it, it was, he was no Bob Odenkirk. Let's just say that. Uh, but No, but Darling was quite good. He was quite good. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. I, I The problem I had is that it's not enough content. I don't mind the presentation. After a while, it felt lazy. And also, I think that, that those segments in particular were some of the most obfuscating you know, like it's it's always sort of a, a tough balance to to sort of walk when you're trying to obfuscate things for the sake of creating a sense of world and also to not lay out the entire complex backstory all at once and overwhelm the player. But then there were times where it was like, couldn't you just fucking tell her what to do, bro? Like or or like right. couldn't couldn't this be a little clearer? Like for instance, do you know Dylan's role ultimately in this entire narrative oh no not at all i know that they were both spoiler alert if you haven't played this and you're interested in playing it because this is the podcast so far this is the point where you should stop and and maybe 10 minutes from now well i'd like uh, to talk a little more about the mechanics me too but uh first let's address dylan so the big bad is a sympathetic so it's not really like a big bad but i mean the final the final tension is between Jesse, the concept of the Bureau itself and her brother Dylan, because she finds out that and I like how it's kind of low, like slow balled, like um, agreed. Yeah, it's not like Dylan is the most important case that ever came through this Bureau. It's just a thing that happened in this endless maze of various cases. Uh, he's Dylan, pretty, they build a containment unit for the guy. He's definitely a key yeah, part of this. He's up there, but I would just. I like how the world implied I like things that have that uh, the warehouse at the end of Indiana Jones feel where mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, this is just one of millions right. of stories All tucked away. All these are arcs. Yeah. How many arcs are there? <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. just kidding. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I would argue that the, yeah, the motel that can teleport yeah, you like to that. any time space is e- of equal import as Dylan. But regardless, that's most by the important way, to Jesse. That, that, is, that hotel, mm-hmm. just qu- quickly, is the most Alan Wake thing in this world oh okay yeah feels very alan wake e the hotel that's sort of a a hub that allows you to travel to different areas yeah definitely um and it's like a twin peaks style hotel Mm -hmm. yeah it feels it just feels like part of that game more than the rest of it her brother and she were targeted by the fbc because they were candidates to be the new director because trench they have to choose a new director from time to time. And basically the way they choose, it's very much like the sorting hat, but it kills you. Uh, 
if <laughs> you hold the service weapon and that allows you to commune with the board, which is an extra planar entity that helps determine it, they, they're sort of in a weird alliance with the FBC and they, I, I believe it's implied that you go mad or you kill yourself or something if you're not fit, but they try to identify good applicants and have them interact with the service weapon and it imprints on you. And that means you're the new director. So which by trench- the way is a thing mm-hmm. that should have been in Harry Potter, the sorting hat, killing a few people because they're not good some. enough. Holy shit. Would that have been good? Being like expelled. And yeah. then it just slowly <laughs> crushes the child's skull while they scream. Yes. That's what I wanted to see right there. In I the want Sorcerer's to go Stone. home. I don't um, need to be a wizard. I don't. It's okay. That's yeah. right. And you shan't be. <laughs> <laughs> the headless body falls to the floor. And uh, what's his name? Clearly he's Ganon. chewing it. Yeah, the hat's Ganon. clearly chewing the head. Yeah. Dumbledore just says, next child. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who's next then? Yeah. yeah. Um, but... Uh, she wants to, uh, there was an event where they were both as children contacted by the Bureau because they were near one of these big rift events and they were affected in such a way that they seemed like good candidates to be directors. They captured Dylan, but she got away. And, and destroyed they, uh, a key object or, or destroyed the majority of a key object, basically. They confiscated, yeah, a slide projector because she and her brother, that's what eventually caused the rift, is she and her brother discovered an object of power, which was a slide projector, and you could travel through the slides, like mist style, into different worlds. And that's a very powerful object, so they confiscated it. It's in the Bureau now. You, can, you find it, of course, and use it. But... Uh, she was allowed, she escaped in it it, somehow. I don't fully understand why they wouldn't recover her later, but she just grew up and lived her life. Yeah. Why didn't, why didn't they take her in? It's like, yeah, it's weird. They they observe her. Clearly they like keep tabs on her for the rest of her life. And yet, and yet Dylan is such a big problem that they've got him in, you know, what is essentially a, a containment tank and have driven him into you know, basically into insanity. Like the dude's totally insane by the time we, yeah. Cause basically uh, they tested him. He failed the test. He went nuts and they, con- they sort of quarantined him. And we find out that the board, which I still maintain seems ominous and may turn evil in a future installment of this series, which but, there will definitely be. There'll yeah. definitely be a sequel. I hope so. Yeah, but for now, be. the board is allied with the Bureau and the humans in the Bureau against this sort of infection, this sentient infection, of course, that's evil, that's trying to destroy all the universes everywhere. And it's called the Hiss. And the Hiss gets to Dylan. So Dylan becomes this very powerful psychic that is, you know, hypnotized and evil and shit. And uh, Jesse wants to save him. Because it's her brother. And that's like the <laughs> premise of it. But also, yeah. I think it's implied that Dylan earlier in his life had a role in bringing the hiss here. Like it's like, yes. it's, uh, like connecting so, it to our world in particular. Right. So like it, the end of the game suggests that the former director, Trench, who I'm going to always call shitty Bob Odenkirk, mm-hmm. uh, was the one who was actually sort of overcome by the hiss. He was compromised by the hiss. Yes. But, and, and so the mechanics of that are not entirely clear, but it seems pretty clear to me that Dylan is also a part of the early method by which the hiss invade. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's he's part of that process, certainly because he's overcome by the hiss, but also because he's its advocate, just like Jesse is the advocate for Polaris. And I think the, the event at Ordinary, their town, is I love the section where you see the tiny version of their town. I really like that um, too. I think that event is I had the first recorded time the hiss like breached into our universe. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of, it's not their fault, but like, it's all, and another thing is it is kind of lost. Like I would argue (laughs) there are things that are not clear and maybe they'll be clear in future installments, or maybe not like, but it's not, it's not dumb and uh, a collection of a lot of, uh, it's good. Lost had to me Lost's big problem aside from not having a plan. It's better than lost. Lost is dumb. Yeah. And lost (laughs) also had like, like everything was part of lost. Like, uh-huh. like, like, uh, eternity was part of lost, uh, fate was a part of lost polar bears and science and demigods yeah. and all this stuff. This, this world is at least contained if, even if everything in it's not explained. There are types of supernatural things that wouldn't be in this world. It's right. selective, right? It's selective. And that's what gives it flavor and yes. like a unique feel. But Whereas lost is definitely my, in the Tyson zone. Like anything. My question is remains in terms of traditional storytelling setup and payoff style, sure. uh, which they mostly adhere to. There's weird anomalies. Like for example, Dylan very pointedly saying with the camera zooming in on him, a moment of lucidity. And he says, don't trust Polaris that never pays off and maybe it'll pay off in a sequel but basically all you find out about Polaris is oh Polaris this thing you thought was just a voice in your head that's good it's actually this thing called Hedron that's a voice in your head that's good and now okay. has like activated it stays good in it you. continues to help you yeah it's not well, nothing really changes I, I do think <laughs> that the words good and evil sort of don't apply to to Polaris and maybe not even the hiss. Like certainly the hiss act evil mm. and they're super red. Everything's real red when the hiss get around. I would argue the hiss is stylized in a way that evokes evil, but sure, I the agree board, that. the board is the most interesting character to me because there are very few games that feature a faction that just evokes neutral power you get the feeling that the board is helping you because of mysterious reasons you could never comprehend right and if those reasons change they would totally wipe out humanity they we don't understand what they're doing right i love the restraint in maintaining that you cannot know the mind of the board the board just is (laughs) it's yeah it's it's a it's it's a classic sort of star trekky character yeah also it it's like the nine in destiny same same oh definitely but you what know. is Hedron? Why is it important to discover that Polaris is Hedron? That's what I didn't get a lot o- of satisfaction. Other than a thing you can h- plug a lot of tubes into, it seems like nothing. Like it's a shell that contains yeah. a consciousness that was already free. I uh, should, I'm just saying that plot beat didn't make me go, that explains so much. That's no. so satisfying no. to find out. You know? No, this, <laughs> this, is not like, uh, this is not like a game like Horizon Zero Dawn where uh very satisfying pretty contained yeah it's pretty contained and like a sequel means the world has to get bigger i don't think Mm -hmm. the world has to get bigger for control too you know oh no she could stay director and just deal with another crisis that the bureau faces in the same setting essentially agreed although did you see the outfit that she gets when you win the game 
when you beat the game? Did you see the outfit she gets? I did, but I forget what it it's is. It's like a weird, she has this weird fucking barrette in the back of her head that like, and her hair is up in this way. It's like, what? Like the outfit was like really bad in a way that really bothered me. <laughs> like I goes like that looks really Maybe dumb. that's a hint at the sequel. You open the yeah. European, Western European branch and it's just a Sim City game where you like build up the you know, the new offices. It felt like, I mean, because everything else in this game was pretty intentional. Like they were pretty careful with things like that choice, believe it or not, was like, so is she going to go evil? Because that's a really foreign version of who she, like she was presented to us in a very foreign things are evil. Of course. You heard it here first. That's what Adam says. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Mark, put it on my tombstone. Foreign stuff. Evil. Barrettes are yeah. the sign of evil. <laughs> sign of the times, an evil barrette. Uh, no, it's just like the way she was dressed was like, like she'd become this sort of like emperor of this place in a way that was yeah. like, so is she going to be a bad guy? Uh, maybe, right, I'm, right. maybe I'm making too much out of this. I'm along for the ride, whatever they do. But so yeah, it sounds like totally. we agree, though, that the story is very strong and enticing, but to a lesser degree, but in the same way as Lost. Uh, they bring up so much interesting shit that it's hard to pay it all off. And indeed they don't pay it all off. And the ending sort of just sort of happens and washes over you. And you're like, Oh, that was the end. Okay. It's funny that you say (laughs) that because they also have a false ending, uh, which like a very, like a, they have an initially disappointing ending. Where you get trapped in the mind loop. Yeah. And, and like, Oh no, you just, uh, the bad guys win. That's it. And you're like, Oh fuck. Really? Yeah. Uh, they, yeah. The hiss trap you in one, your first day of working as a secretary at the bureau oh, endlessly. Right. And you actually have to do it over and over several times. Which before, I was of like, course. I get it. Fuckers. Uh, that's, yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm like, the facade is going to start to crumble. Let, let's get on with it. Yeah. And <laughs> we, I, I straightened enough coffee mugs and delivered enough <laughs> yeah. mail. So give me the fucking cutscene, please. Next plot point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the game definitely tests your patience. Uh, if you're, not accustomed to like letting the game pace itself. Yeah. You know, it, I, I would, that's argue, what I mean is I found the pacing in act three odd. I, I just would say it felt rushed. The game, it is a little rushed, but I also felt like this game was for the amount of content. It actually is still a little long. You know, oh, like I, I didn't think it was too long. Like it was bad long. I thought it was too long. Like for the amount of content this is, this is a little bit drawn out. For me, because each side quest was like a separate X-Files style adventure, like, oh, there's this whole species called the Mold, and we learn about their universe, and we help shore up the breach. Oh, there's this thing called the Clog, and it's sort of a funnier episode. It's a parody of being a sewage worker, and you have to go burn it out. Oh, there's this thing the guy can't blink or admit. Like, I literally found each subplot so interesting that I could do a dozen more. It really felt like a season of the X-Files to me. It could... It could definitely have DLC where you're the director solving problems in this world. And you just deal with shit. Yes, you should. I found the writing interesting and imaginative, the various shit you dealt with. I totally totally agree with that. I I think that there is room for that. They have a thing trapped in a room that just won't stop spinning, and they can't figure out what to do with it. There's great stuff in here. Right. How do you flush it into a space <laughs> toilet? Like, they don't know how to do that. Yeah, yeah totally. I, I agree. That's a good idea for DLC, and I'm sure that's what they're going to do, is like, hey, let's just do episodes from the Bureau of Control, you know, uh, yeah. while you're the director. That's not a bad idea. 
nonetheless, I'm going to I'm going to pull up my one of my favorite games that we have yet to cover, BioShock. And say so BioShock's probably about another 5 hours to the campaign if that. It's it's like a little longer, but not a lot longer, wouldn't you agree? One? Yeah, BioShock 1. Yes. It's been so long I could not pretend I that I can accurately remember how many hours it controls was. Controls like 6 to 10 hours, I would say, and BioShock the single player game is like 10 to 15, I want to say. Uh if I remember it correctly. The okay. thing about BioShock is First of all, there's no you don't go back to stuff. Uh, but second of all, each world has its own sort of self-contained narrative that's really satisfying with a lot of little tendrils to tug at. And the gameplay loop to it is also, I would say, equally fun or more fun. But you're never bored of you're never sort of like, OK, what are we getting at here with Bioshock? Because they always keep you on point, whereas control, I think. There are tasks and times where you're just sort of getting to the next place, and like uh, that's what waiting. I mean. The B the B plots are all stellar, but the A plot is diffuse. The ending is not a good payoff for the setup. The uh, whole I, idea it's not of her bad, it's just not it's amazing. not terrible, yeah. but it's not. There's no reveal of what her brother is or what his role is that right. makes you go, "Whoa, like, imagine that! That's so fucked up." Or anything. There's you're just like, "Oh, okay." That's new information. It just kind of goes along. You're like, oh, he let the hiss in? I kind of guessed that at this point. There's nothing else. That's it? Okay. He looks evil. (laughs) Look at him. So I know where this is going. I I would say that like, if this was a movie, you would give it a B, B minus and feel like that was a pretty good movie. Yeah, you know, like, and and that's a again in video games, that's a pretty great story. Oh, it is, and you the know? voice acting is phenomenal across the board, which is not I, always. It's funny you say that. Focus on. Oh, you I, hated it. I no, I loved it, oh. except for Jesse, who I thought was okay. Oh, okay. I didn't think she was great. I, 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 th- did I think she was think miscast. She was great, but it's impossible to elucidate why. I just. Well, I thought she it. was a little. Uh, I, I I thought she. I didn't think as a performance that she felt like there was all that history to her point of view. Like she seemed very sort of like, uh, like I didn't get a sense that there was a lot of deep history to how she felt about things. It was very reactionary. And I think that's, a, that's, yeah, that's a high level critique, but I felt that it way. is. I think it's more of the pacing again. You're also just dropped in. It's an interesting story. It doesn't follow a three-act structure by any stretch. It's just like, you're here now. A couple hours in, you realize, oh, I'm looking for my brother? Oh, okay. And like, it's just the the plot details are parceled out in an interesting way. Yeah, I mean, that I would say that... That is not traditional. I would say that the first... It, 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 it's not linear, but it does sort of have acts to it. Like I like I would argue that when once you find Dylan, that's sure. sort of the end of the like the main plot, and then things start to wrap up. Now it's like now we got to wrap stuff up. Uh, it just takes a yeah. while, and there's some finished. My death big metal. sticking point is that Ati is never explained in any way. Agreed. And we need more uh, about him. Nor the fact that the if he is this powerful that the bureau is not aware of this or has no interest in him. Um, and then furthermore that. Your brother ominously says, don't trust Polaris. And then there's a big reveal that Polaris is actually this thing called Hedron that is another extra dimensional entity that's been speaking to you since you were a child. And I'm like, that's what I already assumed Polaris was. 
All you did was change right. the name. You just I had already it, guessed that that's what that was. You put it inside <laughs> a really weird shape that tubes came out of and made me fight a hundred guys to get to it, and then it broke. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but also yeah. not cool. Uh, <laughs> it's no, fine. I yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I I mean, if we sit here and chip away at this long enough, it's definitely going to fall apart. I, I have one sort of philosophical question for you before I move on from this. And that is, uh, do you think that a video game, knowing that most video games are trying to be franchises, has an obligation to explain all of its elements the way a movie would have to? Or are you comfortable with things like Ati, knowing that a later installment would probably go into who he is? Uh, it's the same as a TV show. I uh, it It's kind of a trap because you can't know till all is said and done. Right. And it's always a gamble. If... I do believe that they owe it to me to explain AT in a way that is satisfying and clever and makes me go, that's fun. That makes sense. Um, and if they never do, I'll go, that was some bullshit. But <laughs> I, but right. like I leave room for the fact that the story is not over yet. But at the end of the day, it's extra. If your story is a mystery box that promised satisfying creative twists that will be make me go that oh in retrospect now i see why that makes sense if that's the genre you live within yeah thriller. i just the feel genre. like you're promising that you can pull that off and if the more time you have me invest doing the mystery part the more i expect the payoff to be very satisfying and cathartic and if you biff it you wasted my time even more than you would have if it were shorter. So Agreed. I, I feel just, worse about it if you it had is what promised it is. less. Yeah. yeah, I totally yeah, agree exactly. with that. Like I for for comparison's sake, actually the movie Annihilation comes to mind a little bit, uh, which is a really good movie. And this is mm -hmm. not as good as that. And I think that the guys who guys and gals behind this game should invest a little bit more in some of those narrative movies that are in this genre mm -hmm. and see what comes from that because well, I, I would like to see that you know yeah for me the comparison point is upgrade i would say since okay it's yeah recent. i see that uh i uh, really wanted the ending of this to be as concise and impactful as the ending of upgrade and it was not <laughs> no 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 it was a little bit more truncated than that yeah. uh I, I feel like i said all the important things i wanted to say about why the gameplay is meh but i don't want to snub that conversation out if you had if you wanted to argue with me about it uh no i said what i was gonna say and we kind of got to wrap up but uh I, I just want to say that, that i would all i would i would just underline what i said but there's nothing more to unpack i, I found it very crisp in a way that feels technical which i don't necessarily always like but at the same time it's the most it's the most realistic satisfying telekinesis simulator i've played ever in my life and that's an accomplishment and it was satisfying to me and fun the shooting i would give a 75 out of 100 in terms of like yep there's shooting that's much better but i didn't think it was bad it felt I, fine i to like shoot the stuff. way it felt <laughs> to yeah. hurl things at people and i think i that, really liked the complicated detailed upgrade system i found it very satisfying i did too except for i didn't feel like you got a lot more powerful from that i would if i had if you had then i would be more in favor of it i tried every kind of gun i never found yeah. I, the sniper rifle version the and the sniper shotgun gun version was basically was pointless yes oh i thought yeah oh i like the sniper version although it was hard to oh, use well, there you go because i 
But I would generally, you know, I'd be launching pieces of things at the enemies and then powering up the gun. Shoot. Then well, launch, launch, launch. In a game where the enemies appear out of the air already aware of you, like right. there's no such right. thing in this game as walking up on a group of enemies who are standing guard and they there's don't no notice stealth. you. There's no stealth to this game. I didn't understand what the sniper rifle was for because I just, it, they're always running at you immediately, full speed, whip out yeah. that shotgun, man. The shotgun yeah. is, is the most useful no, the most useful is throwing concrete blocks at people's heads. That's what Agreed. I love. <laughs> but I, but so again, to bring up to bring up Bioshock, who I would say the feeling of telekinesis is less good in Bioshock than here. But the it's actual, much earlier technology. Yeah, <laughs> but the game is more creative about how to use gunplay and telekinesis together than Control is. A lot more creative about it, and I feel like that's another area where we could improve. Well, you don't even have to like, you don't have to pull ammo in or anything like that because the gun regenerates its own ammo. I like that about it. I like it, but it gives you less to do with your telekinesis. Telekinesis is primarily for grabbing objects and throwing them at people, which is endlessly fun to do. But it is simple. (laughs) I agree. Well, it's not that it's bad. It is endlessly fun. I agree. It's that it's not, it's that it's, there's not more to it. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, if you have a telekinetic power, if you and I really had it, uh, wouldn't you be spending some time pulling pillars down on top of dudes, especially when they get those rock shields? Instead of like hurling a rock at a rock shield, it's like, why don't I just pull this pillar down on top of him? You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. Yeah, there's no chandeliers or like there's nothing that falls from above. Yeah, there's more they could have done in theory. It's like, uh, well, the button only does one thing, meaning... There are pillars there, but you would just pull a chunk off and throw it at the guy like you do with everything. And also, at a certain point, it feels a little like a cheat that you get you get to float but never fly. You know what I mean? Like, so you brought up uh, Spider-Man and, uh, earlier, and I was like, ooh, that's exactly the game to bring up because Spider-Man is way better at feeling good with the power-ups than this game is, though they both sort of have a similar idea about how to do it. You know? I disagree Really? I thought the power-ups in Spider-Man all sucked except the very first one you start with, which is the one oh, where you no. spin around and shoot web in every direction. All the other power-ups don't do anything. Oh, Better see, than I, that. I like the like, charging that remains, up ones. Oh, really? I yeah, thought I that I thought spinning and shooting web everywhere remained by far the best attack throughout well, the perhaps, entirety of the game. Perhaps the game designers are actually ahead of us here because they're proving that there are hills to die on. You know what I mean? Like, and that if both these people feel passionately about both these things and something is working in this game, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if you feel that way and I feel the other way about Spider-Man, that's kind of a, a win for the developer. No, I wanted to fly in full three dimensional free space. I, I did too. And especially because the enemies could do as it. As I was floating. Yeah. yeah. I was like, damn it. I want to, well, it's still fun. It's still fun. It's totally still fun. I agree. But I I, had that moment where I was like, oh, it's just floating. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Oh, damn. But okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly how I felt. And I thought like, well, I mean, I can't program a video game. I don't know. Maybe it's really hard to program. This is better than I I can do. I found found myself thinking a lot about uh, sort of like, how would I create some of these things with cameras and lights? I was really thinking about that I was rooting it. for the team behind the game. Big I time. felt like a lot of goodwill towards them and I would cut them slack. So that's something to think I, about. It, 
out. <laughs> also, it's funny because like their other games, Alan Wake and Quantum Break, both had more hype than this game, and I think this game is better than either of those sure. two games. Uh, it's kind of a. Sh- I feel like maybe because Quantum Break was a bit of a letdown because there was a lot of hype behind that game and it wasn't that great that people were less excited about Control and they sh- and it's like man, I wish that Control was the property that we had gotten hyped about because mm. it, it would have lived up to it. I would argue. Yeah. You know. All right. Final checkpoint. Keep or delete. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go, right? There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. On NPR's new podcast, Wild Card, we have ripped up the typical script. It's part existential deep dive and part game show. I ask actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to ask some of life's biggest questions. Listen to NPR's Wild Card on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, to be to the surprise of no one, I'm going to delete this game. Uh, not because it's bad, but because I don't think that there's anything about it that needs to be retained. I think there's better versions of everything it does somewhere else. Control, I'll keep. You're going to keep, keep this. You're <laughs> yeah. keeping this. You deleted Halo 1, and you're keeping Control. Control is a much better game than Halo no, 1. Absolutely not. Halo 1 is boring to play. Absolutely. The plot not. is just kill the enemy. You killed the enemy. I, I disagree. The enemy are aliens. I disagree. All that's right. that that Well, we plot... did a whole episode on your boring ass game you love. They can listen to that. <laughs> yes, you can. You can listen to all of our episodes <laughs> on the Small Beans Network. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Including um, uh, our lesser known podcast series, How to Fix Harry Potter. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is that a thing? I don't no, know no, if I'm people care about whether we have guests, but I did want to address it. Uh, sure. I just moved to San Francisco, so we're still we're, we're in a transitional period, which is why there was no guest this time, nor will there be next episode. Um, I would probably have guests is, here and there again. Yeah, this t- is the, the game where I, 
I wish we had brought Dave in for this one because I know he really loved this game. Yeah. Uh, but we will have guests. We both are very passionate about maintaining that continuity. But right now we're figuring out how to do how to how to not be in a warm embrace physically while we do this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it doesn't affect the view count, at least nah. for this show, whether we have guests nah. or not. So the people love us. They love our shit. Dude. That's so kind of those people <laughs> to love our yeah. shit. Thanks, people. Thank you for loving my shit. <laughs> More shit next time on What Upsman Shit. Work complete. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine. Hosted by me, Danielle Robay. And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.